love about y'all three being here. Uh, my name is Michael Page. If it's your first time here this morning, I just want to, I just want to get, uh, just give you guys a special welcome. Um, if you first time here, we love first time guests. Um, we'd like to give you a little bag. It has a little logo on it, and some stuff inside for you to read, and a pen. Uh, you know, small gift. You know, um, something to just kind of just to remember us about. Again, I get some information about our church. And what I know is right now that God's doing a lot of things in our church and through our church. And um, I, I just want to let you know how thankful I am that you guys are have decided to join us this morning because uh, God is doing so much in the lives of the people at our church. And there's so many stories of life change that I've seen and that we've seen happen around us where God has taken people's lives and moving them into the next phase, or whether they're, he's, he's, he's causing them to, to stir in their heart to, to take next steps in their faith. Um, you know, that's, that's what's amazing. I, I've, heard, I've heard countless testimonies where God is, is just, um, you know, people have joined connect groups and, and seeing God transform their lives through the context of community, or, or we've seen people take that next step of obedience and, and start giving and tithes and offerings and watch God bless them as they move the kingdom forward. We've seen stories of baptism and salvation, like Meredith said earlier, and people serving in kids when they're not necessarily kids' people. Um, you know, God's just doing so much. He's moving the hearts of people. And if you look through Scripture, I, I've, you always see God moving in people's hearts to carry out the plans and purposes of who He is and what He wants to do. And it's such an amazing thing to watch. And this morning, no matter where you're at, where you came from, how old you are, and I, don't, I mean, if you're a person, how about that? No matter where you're at, let them have access to your heart. Let them have access to your heart so they can begin to use you and for the plans and the purposes that He created you for at the beginning of time. And all that takes is surrender. Surrendering to Him. And one thing that I, I was listening to is I was listening to that last song, Here is in Heaven. And I, I want to ask you just kind of a rhetorical question is, you know, just based on your life and how you worship God, is it, is it going to look the way it's going to look in heaven? I sit here sometimes, I go to church, and I, and I worship the Lord, and I read my Bible, and I go and I do evangelism or discipleship, or I talk to people about Jesus, and I'm, I'm like, God, is my life a mirror of what's happening right now in heaven? Am I glorifying you in that, on that caliber? And so many times I know, as I was growing up, I used to go to church. I was, I was in church seven days after I was born. I was, I've been there for a long time. I've been there for a very long time. And so I, I started looking at it, and I started looking at Jesus whenever he was crucified. And you realize that the people that crucified Jesus were the church people, right? We, we, we understand that, right? We, okay. If you didn't know that, you know now. The, the people that, that crucified Jesus were the people who thought they were serving God. And one thing that stuck out this morning whenever Thomas was talking is like, do I think I'm following Jesus the way he called me to follow him? Or am I, am I just kind of on the other, just a random spectrum of here where I'm trying to, I'm just doing the best I can. Well, the good thing is, I got good news for you. The Bible tells us exactly how to follow Christ, exactly how to follow him. If you read it and do what it says, and it connects, we love to say that. Like, it's, following Jesus is simple. Read the Bible and do what it says. Easy, right? We make it hard by being rebellious, by being selfish and prideful and arrogant. That sinful nature kind of keeps getting in the way, kind of like it just messes us up sometimes. But, you know, this morning we're going to continue in our, in going through our reading plan, our 412 reading plan. If you, if you guys don't have one of those, you should get one because it's awesome. And it also kind of holds us together as a church because throughout five campuses, um, it's really cool that, that five campuses, we're all reading the same thing as a church. 
3,000 people reading together the same word, the same scriptures, the same each week. And they're, we're moving forward as a church, and it's really cool to watch. And while we're doing that, we're going to be answering the questions of who is God. And in scripture, as I'm reading this verse, who is God in this verse? Who am I? What, am I, what place am I in this? Um, what has God done? What has God done through these verses of Scripture? And what have I become? What is my response to God? Because I think it's so important to remember that as we read Scripture, we're meant to read it. Yes, we don't have a problem with that, do we? Like, well, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We read it. We can understand the Scripture, but responding to it and applying it to our lives is a different scenario sometimes, right? Is that a human thing or is it just me? Are we waiting this morning? Are we good? I need some response. I'm going to quit preaching. I'm going to walk off and go home. Okay. I won't do that, but, um, but it, it requires us to respond to it, to change areas of our lives where God points out. It, it exposes our hearts and shows us uh, whether our faith is real or whether our faith is just some empty religious activity that, that's bound to us at a specific time during the week. And that's my heart this morning is that we would understand that, that Jesus is calling us out of religion out of this, this set of rules that we had to abide by to get to God. Jesus came down and stood between the gap between me and God so that I can get to God, right? That's good news. And all I have to do is depend on Jesus to get there. Depend on him. That means I'm living my life for him. That means I'm loving him more than anything else. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, it says, it says for, the, for the word of God, that's this right here, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so many times we don't like to be judged. We don't like to feel that conviction, so we run away from it. So we, so, so we see anytime we come before God in Scripture and prayer, we have the choice to either allow it to soften our hearts and to do it and, let, and allow its work to happen in us and to carry out to completion its work in us or to harden our hearts to go our own way. And so this morning, I want to ask you a direct question to you, individual, me and you. Have you allowed Scripture to soften your heart, to apply it to your life, or have you hardened your heart in areas that you've said, no, God, that's too far? Okay, that's the question we have to ask because God is requiring a response from us. Once you become a Christian, that's awesome, and you're on the road to eternal life. But there's next steps you take after that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to make disciples. The last thing that Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make, go and do, go, go, to, the, go to the nations and baptize. Teach people what I've taught you. Does anybody wear contact lenses in here this morning? Good Lord, everybody's blind. I, I need to be wearing some probably. If you notice, I used to, when I first started preaching here, I had glasses, but somebody told me I, I, I look stupid because I kept pushing my glasses up. So I, I kind of just conveniently lost them in my garden one day. Um, I, I don't have a garden. I have a flower bed. Um, but, um, and so how about glasses? I, I guess I can see people with glasses. So we, we, some of us have some, some vision problems in here I can see. And so like, and myself is including that. Don't you hate, like, uh, don't you hate visits to the optometrist? I, I, I hate them. I don't like going to the optometrist. Um, I love how boldly we come out with the E, right? Like the, the big E at the top of the screen. E, I see that one. I got that one. I know that one. And I, and I hate the eye test with the mirror. The mirror test, if, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Where you're sitting in the chair and they're going, is one better, is two better? Is two better, is one better? If you don't have glasses in or contacts, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But um, he's, you sit in this chair and he's like, is one better, is two better? And you get confused. I'm like, well, which one was one again? Because they look kind of similar. And it's like, what is happening? But, you know, but when our eyes are, get adjusted, when we get those glasses um, back on and we get our contacts in, it's like, wow. 
And we didn't realize how blind we were until we got our vision fixed, right? All of a sudden, we're like, man, was that sign always there, that stop sign? Was that... Was this, was this the color of the sky before I got glasses? This is awesome. This is beautiful. The whole world looks different to me now. And so we see things. We're able to see clearer and better, and, and everything changes. And when my sight was fixed, I saw things I never noticed before. I, I, I saw things I might have been tripping over before I became clear. And I'm praying to guys this morning. I'm praying today that somebody in this building is going to have that experience with Jesus this morning through the power of the word. Like, you may be squinting right now, like, Jesus I don't get it. I, I'm following. I mean, I'm, I'm going to church. You may, not, you may not be sure if you want to see him more clearly. But somehow today I'm praying there's going to be a moment where your eyes are open and you're like, wow, I see Jesus. I see Jesus for who he is. That's my prayer every time we come in here, that somebody's eyes will be open to see who Jesus really is, as a Savior, as your Savior, as, as, as your Lord, someone who's, who's, who loves you to the point of death. That's true love, man. There's so many things about church, church, that we miss or overlook because of the religious rituals that have taken away their meaning, right? Like we come, we, we're doing communion this morning together. It's just bread and juice, right? No, it's not. There's, there's an awe and wonder that comes with it, but we've made it just another thing sometimes. Our worship, we stand in worship, we're bored. Do we realize who we're worshiping? Do we realize what we're doing when the heavens spiritually open up and, and the Lord is worshiped for who he is? Man, it's so awesome. When we're reading scripture and allowing it to work in us, we're, we're relating ourselves to the disciples. We're, we're relating ourselves to, to, the, to the grand work of the kingdom that God's put his disciples on so many years ago. We're in that work, but things have lost their meaning. Thing, the heart behind things of, that we do has become sort of stale. A few weeks ago, I talked about the church at Ephesus and how Jesus said, um, you know, you're doing great in all these different areas, but one thing I hold against you is you've lost your first love. You've lost the love behind why you're doing what you're doing. Why you're doing what you're doing has, has been lost. And one of the greatest weapons we have as a church is taking the Word of God, reading it, reading the pages of it, and remembering, remembering, capital remember, all that Jesus did to bring us back to himself. Because if Jesus didn't come, if he didn't die, if he didn't ri raise from the dead, then we're, we're wasting our time here this morning. We could be going to eat lunch right now. Do you know what I'm saying? It'd be pointless for us to be here. But the thing I love is that he did. And he's living. And he's active in the world today. And that means, that means something good for me and you, right? That means we get to move and to live. We get to have joy. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. How many of us have joy and peace in here? How many of us want it? Turn to Jesus. He'll give it. And he, says, he gives it to us generously. And sometimes, guys, pausing and taking some time to look back, that remembering, look back at what God has done for us. And, and it's, it's important to where we're going as a church and as individuals. And if we came in here this morning searching for something or just came out of habit, like we, we may just come out of habit. Because that's what we do on Sunday mornings. I pray that the Lord uses the word we're going to read this morning to draw your heart to his and allow you to look back, to remember who we are and who he is and what he's done. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke 22. We're going to be there this morning. If you don't have your Bible, I want to encourage you to bring a hard copy of the book to church. I'm not calling anybody out, but I'm just saying, like, it's so cool to look at Scripture and see it on the page and know where it's at as you're looking back to it and remembering because it's, it's, just, it's just such a cool thing. 
But our passage this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke 22. We're going to to be looking at the Last Supper. And Jesus and his disciples are making preparations for the Passover feast. And we're going we're to see Jesus implement the Lord's Supper for the first time. And this will be the last Passover feast for the disciples and their first Lord's Supper. Think about how crazy it is for the disciples. They were raised Jews. For their entire life, they've seen the Passover feast being celebrated religiously. Lambs slaughtered, blood poured out, wine drank, unleavened bread eaten, just all the stuff. And then we saw Passover come. And there was just religious ritual after ritual after ritual, which was a great thing, but they had taken it for granted and had lost its meaning. But to give you some background on the Passover, when Jesus used Moses to deliver the Israelites from, from Egypt, one of the plagues against Egypt was when God sent an angel to kill the firstborn males of every family in Egypt. And God told the Israelites to sacrifice a spotless lamb to the Lord and smear the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Then the angel passed over. That's why it's called passed over. The angel of the death passed over the house because he saw the blood. Because it saw it, it was covered by the blood of the lamb. And I could preach that for a little while. <laughs> We're covered by the blood of the lamb, just in case you didn't get that. Uh, this was a yearly tradition, though. This was, a, this was year after year after year. This was stuff they did. I'm going to remember what Jesus has done. I'm going to remember what God has done, excuse me, what he's done in the past. He's spared us. He's, he's, he's brought us out of Egypt. Where the men of Israel, they would, they would come to Jerusalem to the, for the Passover feast to remember God's faithfulness of bringing them out of Egypt. They would sacrifice the spotless lamb every year. They would roast the lamb. They would have a Passover feast where they would eat the lamb. They would drink wine and and eat unleavened bread, which represented um, the the urgency at which they had left Egypt because they they couldn't bring everything, so they left the yeast behind. And so they had unleavened bread. It was just flat bread, basically. And the way they celebrated this feast was it began with a, a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for delivering us from Egypt. Thank you, God, for delivering us from sin and bondage. And then they would, it would be followed by, and this world, some of you would be like, yes. They were followed by drinking four cups of wine. Don't worry, it was, it was, it was diluted with water so they wouldn't get intoxicated. But they, they had four cups of wine. The four cups of wine represented freedom, deliverance, redemption, and release. Those four things, it was, it was a celebration. Can you imagine if you had been in bondage or your people had been in bondage, how, how awesome it would be to celebrate this with your people? We're free. We're free. Freedom is great, right? Yes, freedom is great, just in case you were wondering. Freedom is good. Freedom is good. And next, after that, they would eat the bitter herbs. The bitter herbs was a mixture of oil and herbs, and they would dip, um, the, there was a, they, you would dip the bread in there, and they would eat it, and it represented the, the bitterness. It represented the, the bondage in Egypt and their bondage to sin. And they would sing Psalms 113 and 114 together. They would sing it all together. Um, and then after that, they were, after singing, they would drink the second cup of wine, where they would eat the lamb and the unleavened bread together. After this, they would consume the third cup of wine, followed by the singing of Psalms 115 and then 118, and then passed around the fourth cup where they would share. And it's very likely that Jesus implemented the, the Lord's Supper between the third and the fourth cups of this. And this is what we're going to be looking at. This, this, that's the background. That's the nutshell. I know it was fast, but we're going to Luke 22. We're going to see where they're at, and that's kind of the background of where they're at. It says this, Luke 22, it's going to be verses 7 through 22, 23, and then we're going to skip over to 31 says this, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for, where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar will meet them, meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is in the is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. 
Okay, this is weird, okay? Yeah, we just read right past this stuff all the time. There's a dude carrying a jar. He's going to be the one that's going to tell you, how did Jesus know? That's awesome. Like, I'd, after that miracle, I'd follow him. Like, how'd you know there's a guy with a jar? Because think about it. Women were the ones who carried the jars of water in that, in that culture, in that time. He said, a man's going to be carrying the jar. Follow the guy into that house. That's where we're going to have it at. And then them walking in some stranger's house saying, hey, I'm going to have a dinner at your house tonight upstairs. Is that cool? Sure. Like, that doesn't, you know? Okay, whatever. Um, they left and found things just as Jesus had told them, you know. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly to desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I, am not, I, will, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. No one knew. It's easy for me and you guys to go to Bible school and go play on those flannel boards. Who knows what a flannel board is? <laughs> I'm old. So flannel board used to, my, my VBS teacher used to stick, there's a flannel board and you stick like characters up there and you would like tell Bible stories. Okay. Anyway, so I'm old, I guess. But anyway, so what happens was that, you know, you think about this for a second. He's like, I'm, it's easy for me to look at Judas and say, Jesus is Judas. Judas is going to do it because I know the story, right? None of these guys, none of these guys knew who was going to betray Jesus. Why? Did Judas not, I mean, Judas, I mean, he had to have given away some signs. He had to have been a bad poker player. He had to give some, like, I'm a, you know, what? You can't just live your life all of, all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, boom, I'm betraying Jesus, the Savior of the world, for 30 pieces of silver. You know, there's got to be some tales, right? no. This guy was following Jesus just like the other disciples. You look in, I, I think it's in Matthew 10, where Jesus sends out the apostles and gives them the authority to cast out demons and to preach the gospel. He was in the 12. So you think about this. The entire time, Judas was an imposter. Nobody knew except Jesus. And so how easy it is for people to come to church and hide. And so my point this morning is, like, we have to make sure Guys, that our hearts are surrendered before the king, before Jesus, because that's the only way that, 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 that we have to him. And so one thing I know is, is, is I, love the, I love the part of the scripture that says, do this in remembrance of me. You know, what does that mean in real life? Do this in remembrance of me. These disciples are sitting there, Jesus, you're right here, bro. I don't need to remember, where are you going? I don't know what's going on here. They didn't get it yet. They didn't understand. So I looked up the definition of remember, surprise, surprise. It says, have in or be able to bring to one's mind an awareness or some, of something or someone that has seen, known, or experienced in the past. Look at Paul. How did Paul not only survive but thrive in prison with joy, with love towards his captors, like getting beat in the face with rods, getting shipwrecked? How did he survive those things? By remembering Jesus. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has brought him through. How do you face tough situations in life and not get overwhelmed? Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. 
Remember what he's done. How do we make disciples of all nations like God has called us to? Remember Jesus. And so my point this morning I want to make is why. I know how. I mean, I can eat the Lord's Supper. I can, I can read my Bible and pray, but how? But, but why? But why do I remember him? Why do we need to remember him? What's the point? Like, Jesus, why? Jesus knew we were human. We, he knew we were emotional creatures. Is anybody in here emotional besides me? Everybody's got some emotions, right? Everybody's got emotional. If you've never made an emotional decision, I think you're lying to me because we've all made emotional decisions. Who's ever bought that car or bought that house or married that? Don't say that. I'm just joking. Um, who's, ever said, who's ever made a, an emotional decision where we've just said, that might have been a bad idea, right? Jesus knows that we need to remember him because we need his guidance. We need his help in life. And so I'm going to give you three things um, of why we need to, why we remember, why we remember Jesus, why, we, why I think that he wanted his disciples to remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. Look back and see. The first one is to stir our affections for him. To stir our affections for him. How many of us have experienced, this is rhetorical, you go to church, you read your Bible, you, you get saved, you get baptized, and it's just like, geez, I'm just not feeling it today. I just don't, I just don't want to pray. I don't really want to read my Bible. I just don't want to go to church. I just want to sit at home. Now, how many of us have been there? All of us have been there. We've all worked, walked through that. Even your pastor has done that. I don't want to go preach today. I've never done that. I love preaching. But what I'm saying is like, I, I struggle sometimes. We all do. And I ask the question all the time in here, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Is it, is it, a, is it a heart? I love, I love Jesus. I love him, what he's done for me. As you look back, as we look back, as we remember what Jesus did on the cross for us, is it, does, it, does it create in us a deeper love and affection for him? You can read in the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When you read verses like this, it says, God made him who had no or knew no sin to be sin. Not, it didn't say he took on our sins. It says he became sin. Like you look at sin addiction, there was Jesus. He became sin for us. He, he took our place so that in him, we might take his place as the righteousness of God. That is a sweet deal, right? That's a sweet deal. That's awesome. That, that means you hit the jackpot. You, you want, you, you're good. You're good. Or do we get in this place where we're numb? I just, I don't care. I don't matter. I don't care. I don't, I'm just, I don't feel it, Lord. I don't feel it. So many times we're living on a feeling. I just, I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is not an emotion and he's not a feeling. If you're searching for an emotion or a feeling, you're searching for the wrong thing. Jesus is a person to have a relationship with. That's where we have to be walking with it, is in seeing who he is as a person. Jesus came and lived and died for me so that I can live and, and breathe with him. And sometimes in our faith, we memorize scripture and pray, and, and we pray the right prayers and, and go to connect groups, and we give our money and tithes, and, and we do the right stuff, but we leave our hearts at the door. We, we, sacrifice, we sacrifice our hearts on the altars of religion, Right? We sacrifice our hearts. The things we do become mindless and powerless acts of religion that just show the world a powerless God and an empty faith. And that's why people can't believe in the God that you say you serve because there's no power lived out in your life. And so that's where I've seen in my life is that it's, it's so important that if I say I believe in Jesus, there's an overflow in my life of the Holy Spirit working itself out to affect the others that are in my sphere of influence, to love them, to serve them, to guide them into all truth, to make disciples of all nations. That's what, it's, that's what we're called to do. It's about a connection to him, about a connection, connecting to him, not doing things for him. 
Because in that connection, we find our doing. When I'm connected to Jesus, I love him so much. I want to do everything I can for him. He has to stop me from doing stuff for him. Sometimes I overdo it because I just want to serve you, God. Jesus is like, nope, that ain't your place. You're over here. He has to redirect me so many times. It's, we we got to go. We got we to fight to, to get our hearts right. It's an honor to serve our king, guys. Think about that for a second. It's an honor to serve him. Think about that. It's so beautiful. We need to surrender our hearts. We have to. We have to surrender our hearts and lives to the one who gave it all for you and for me for no other reason than because he's worthy. No other reason because he's worthy. And hear this this morning, is that we're not saved because of how committed we were to Jesus or we, how committed we are to Jesus. We're saved because of how committed Jesus was to us, how much he loved us and how much he gives us and how much he promises to be with us. Think about Jesus' words to his disciples. Think about that. That one of them will betray Jesus. No one, like I said this earlier, no one besides Jesus and Judas knew that Judas was about to walk out and betray Jesus. Judas had done everything alongside the disciples. He had, and I told you in Matthew 10, he had, he had 12 disciples had gone out with authority to preach and teach. Judas was there. He looked, looked like a follower of Jesus, but in his heart, he only wanted what Jesus was going to do because in his mind, he thought Jesus was going to deliver them from the Romans. There was going to be all kind of, there was going to be a great uh, resurrection of the Jewish people. The Romans were going to get smashed and then the Jews were going to be living in God's graces. Hallelujah. But that's not why Jesus came. He had had it all wrong. He wanted the rewards of the comfort, the, the redemption, the, the, the freedom from the, from the Romans, but he didn't see the greatest reward was Jesus himself standing right in front of him. And that's where we miss it a lot of times. So as a follower of Christ, we take the Lord's Supper, like we're going to do this morning, in remembrance of how much he's done and to stir our hearts towards him. The second thing, is to remember who we are in him, to remember who we are in Christ. Who has a hard time relating ourselves with Jesus? We, we all probably do. I, you're a child of God. What? I don't feel like a child of God. I feel like a, just a human being that just struggles to survive most days, struggle, struggle to get by. I, I'm, you know, I'm always either trying to save money, lose weight, or, or I'm, always, I'm, I'm having a hard time here, God. I'm a child of God. What? Uh, you you got to think of this. Is, we have to remember that who we are in him. John Piper, one of, one of the most, probably the smartest Christian that I know, and I, yeah, I have a hard time reading because, bro, you're way too smart for me. It says, it is of great spiritual benefit to remember the hopeless condition in which you were, you were and would be without salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a good thing to remember, to look back to see where you were before Christ. That is, if you're in Christ. And all of your value, all of your purpose, every single person in this room is found in Christ and Christ alone. Anything else is going to be counterfeit, period. Everything else you try to fulfill yourself with, whether it's a relationship, money, material things, is going to, is going to disappoint you. It will. And so anything apart from that is temporary. Jesus knew that as he was telling his disciples do this in remembrance of me. And what that meant, he knew what it meant because he knew what they were going to face if they tried to follow Jesus. He knew they were going to be sawn in two. He knew they were going to be burned to the stake. He knew they were going to be put in prison and, and persecuted. He knew that they were going to have a hard time. 
when he said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Because he knew when he was going to say that, when you're in prison facing death, remember me. When you're facing persecution from your family because of the gospel, remember me. When you're, when you're tired and you feel like you can't do it anymore, you feel like you can't go on, remember me. But also, when someone believes in me, remind them to remember me. When, when someone is healed from a sickness or a disease, remind them to remember me. When you baptize someone in my name, remember me. Understanding who Christ is, listen to this, understanding who Christ is, who we are in Christ, is foundational to how we live our life. If you don't understand who you are in Jesus, your life's gonna be lived without purpose because you're not seeing the great, 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 huge amount of influence and purpose that you have in your life. Your identity doesn't depend on something you do or have done or sinned or gone astray. Your identity rests in the work that Christ did on the cross. That's where your identity's at. If you're not living in that identity, you're, 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 you're flailing. You may have an earthly security where you're like, I got this. But eternally, you're flailing. And we have to hear that this morning. You can't add to it, your relationship with God. You can't add to your salvation. You can't take away from it because you didn't initiate it. You can't sustain it because you didn't start it. And if you're saved in here this morning, depend on Christ. If you're not saved this morning, surrender your life to Jesus. Because he's the only way that we're going to find satisfaction in this world. He did it. He died on the cross for us, for me, for you. He came to us so that we can come to him. Uh, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. That means he initiated this relationship. My response is just that, a response to what he's already done. He's done it. He's finished it. The Bible says it is accomplished. Some versions said it is finished. I don't like that. Accomplished is better. It is accomplished. It, there's no more work that has to be done. Jesus has done all the work. You don't have to come to him and do any amount of work. You, you, everything you do for him is a response of what he's done for you. That's what it is. Every, every cent you give to, the, to his kingdom, every amount you serve, every time you, you tell someone Jesus loves them or disciple someone, every time you go to a foreign country or your next door neighbor and tell them about Jesus is a response to what he's done for you. So we see our true identity is found in who God says we are, not who people say we are, not, who, not even who you say you are, but who God says you are. Once you choose to repent of your sins and truly follow Jesus, you become a new creation, is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. A new creation, something brand new. And we have to stop living out of who other people say we are and take hold of the truth of God's word or what it says about that. We're new. That means if we don't know that, we need to read our Bibles and see who we are in Christ. If you don't know, read about it. Learn. Open the word. I don't care if it's for two minutes a day. Start somewhere. Join a connect group. Get plugged in the community. And this is, this, this, all of this is why Jesus says, remember me. Remember me. If we're going to follow Christ the way he intended, then we have to start taking Jesus at his word and trust him. I bet if I asked for a, raise of, or a, a, a hand raise of, of how many people deal with trust issues, we'd all have some issues of trust. Jesus is worthy of trust. He's worthy of our trust. 
And it's time for Christians, myself included, to stop spending 30 years trying to find ourselves and get on the mission of God to set us on when we surrender our lives to Jesus in the first place. So many times we get sidetracked on us. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about him. Believe what God said about you. Let it be settled. Take it for truth, for fact. Get up. Love Jesus and make disciples. It's simple. If all the people in this room who claim to know Jesus really knew Jesus, the world would look completely different. It would. It would. Because if we love Jesus, we're going to do what Jesus has called us to, is what 1 John 3 says. That's what it says. If we know Jesus, we look different. The atmosphere around us is different. We, we walk into a place, the room changes because something's different about this guy. I don't know what it is, but it's some, something's weird. You know, because you've, you've, been made, you've been made truly alive in Christ and it, basically you've been, you've been ignited a fire in your heart so that you can ignite a fire of freedom in the hearts of other people, not living our lives as in, in bondage anymore. People, people who are free... People in bondage look at free people like, what's, what's up with that? I want some of that. You know, that, this person's free. And that's what we've been called to in Christ is to be free. There's too many people depressed, tired, fatigued, discouraged. Jesus is the remedy for every human dysfunction that you can name. Jesus is. That's where we have to cling tightly to that. You know, it, it, he redeemed it all on the cross, all of it. All of your sin, all of your shame, all of your shortcomings, all of the things that you look at as, I, I just don't have enough. I, don't, I can't do it. He redeemed it on the cross. Depend on him for that. So we can live in freedom that only he can give. That's why he did that. One of the greatest reasons I feel like we have so many stale, stagnant, or failing Christians around in churches today is because we, there are a lot of Christians who believe in Jesus. They have head knowledge about Jesus. Because that's what you're supposed to do, right? I know, G, I, know G, I know who Jesus is. I've seen Veggie Tales, right? I know who Jesus is, right? But when it comes to action, taking action, we don't trust him enough to depend on it. If you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I follow you with all my heart. He says, go to Asia. You're like, what? I don't trust you that much, bro. I trust you for salvation, but not to go to Asia. You think about that for a second. Do we trust him to do what he says when he calls us to do it? And it changes your aspect, your mindset of what a true follower of Christ is. But when it comes to taking action, do we, we don't trust enough to depend. We say things like, I just need somebody to pour into me for a while. Or I just need someone to, to learn. I need to learn more about Jesus before I become a disciple. I, need to, I, I, just need, I don't want people to think I'm weird. Listen, Jesus is enough. Lean on him. He promised his Holy Spirit would be all the pouring we would need in life. Pouring into us. His Holy Spirit moves us into action. He promised us that we wouldn't need to worry about what we would say because his words would speak for us as we stand before kings and governments is what it says in Acts. He would give us the words. So guys, we have to go back to Scripture to see who we are and whose we are. And so this morning, that's why I want to say the reason, some of the reasons we look back is to see who we are in Christ. And I want you to say this with me. I know this will be weird for you. You've got to say something in church that's weird, I know. But say this with me, okay? All right, I'm going to say it and you say it back. I am created in his image. That was awesome for the first time. Great. Number two, I have been set apart for his use. 
All right, these two rows are awesome. This row over here is not very loud. We want to speak up, okay? Last time, number three, I am chosen to declare his praise to the nations. Do you believe that? Those three verses are from Scripture, straight from Scripture. And here's the proof. Genesis 1.27, I am created in his image. You just said that. I am created in his image. You believe that, right? Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Jeremiah 1.5, I have been set apart for his use. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Number three, I am chosen to declare his praises to the nations. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nations. This is what somebody needs to underline this morning. God's special possession. Do you believe that this morning? I'm, I'm created in his image. I have been set apart for his use. I am chosen to declare his praises to the nations. The second part of the verse, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is why the Lord's Supper together as a church of Jesus Christ to remember who we are, whose we are, and that he's always with us and he's gonna carry out the mission through us. And the last one, and we'll go through this really fast, is it's to remember, the, one of the last reasons that we, were, we he said remember me is because to remember our future is secure in Christ. Our future is secure in Christ. If you're in Christ, your future is secure. You're stamped with the Holy Spirit. Your future's secure. That means we live with confidence. As someone who has struggled with insecurity my whole life, I hate insecurity. I love the fact that I get to look at Jesus and say, I'm secure because of you. Jesus, thank you. No matter where you are, what you've been through, where life takes you, the Bible says your future is secure in Christ. Romans 8. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now. I love words. Specific words, now. There might have been before, but now there's no more condemnation. Why? For those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen, right? That's awesome. Apart from Christ, any security that you accumulate in this life will end at your death. That's, that's kind of morbid, right? Think about it, though. At the end of your life, everything you own, probably everything I own, will fit inside of a hospital drawer. Think about that. Your possessions will be inside of a hospital drawer or inside of a, a nursing home or, or a car or, so, or, so, or, they, or maybe it'll be left behind for someone that you've, that you've left for an inheritance. And that's why Jesus tells us to store up treasures in heaven where nothing can take it away. That's a good investment for all you financial people. A great investment. The kingdom of God. Great investment. As we remember Christ today, guys, we about to, as we're about to take this cup, and all he's done for our lives, we have to remember all he's done. The eyes of his, that our hearts, we pray that the eyes of our hearts and our, our ears will become open. And we've seen this morning already in, in, the, in the verses we read in Luke, says that to do this in remembrance of me. But there's another thing we do while we take the Lord's Supper together. It's, it's found in 1 Corinthians 11. And it says this, it says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is not just an act. This is something serious. You're taking this, you're, per, you're remembering Christ, but you're also proclaiming Jesus until he comes back. That's awesome. It's a testimony of what you believe and who you are. 
And so I'm going ahead and call our teams forward to distribute the Lord's Supper. And a connection, um, we, believe the, we believe with the Bible, what it says in the Bible, that the Lord's Supper is an intimate act that should only be taken by people who acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you're saved, this is for you. If you're not, then it's not for you. It's not, we're not trying to be uninclusive or whatever, but it, you know, that's, this is what the Bible says. The Bible is clear that if we take the Lord's Supper for granted or in vain, then we're drinking and eating judgment upon ourselves. It says in 1 Corinthians, it's, it's, it's to be taken seriously. And so what I want you to hear is that the blood or the bread and the cup that you see before you here are symbols that Jesus didn't just die for you. He died instead of you. Y'all, y'all get that difference? He didn't die for you, he died instead of you. He died in your place. And before we take this together, let's pause for a second. Let's take a look at ourselves. Let's, take a, let's let this be a reminder of what God's done. And use this time to evaluate, like, where am I at? God, where am I at? Show me where I'm at. God may have not spoken to you in five years. God, but just show me where I'm at and just just show me what to do. Show me what I need to do, Father. Show me my next step. Use this time for this confession. Come to the altar and pray. Pray at your seat. And then I'll come back in a second. I'll lead us through the the Lord's Supper together. So if you want to take some time, um, just please do.